0: Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the word this morning, man. This is, this is something that's... Uh, that's been building in me. It's something that, that I, the more I study it and the more I, I, I prepare to talk to you guys about it and teach you about it, the more insight I get from the Holy Spirit. Who's ready for the Word this morning? Yeah. How about we pray? I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Ghost. Anybody need the Holy Spirit in here this morning? Woo. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And we thank you that you're in us, you're with us, you have been poured out upon us. Your presence is here In our midst, and today we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that your word cuts us to heal us. Your word cleanses us. Your word sets us free, Lord. Today, Lord, your word changes and transforms us. And today, we prepare our hearts and minds, and we receive your word today. Your word is going to change us, and I will leave here today changed. Come on, I want you to say that with faith. Come on, say this. I I will leave changed. I receive, I receive your, word your word today. It's all in Jesus. We pray, Amen. Amen. So, last Sunday, uh, how many of you were here last Sunday and enjoyed that? We had Chris and Heidi Cohn missionaries from Zambia that were here with us, and they, you know, they were they kind of went along with our theme, uncommon. And we learned that whenever we have, uh, whenever we live an uncommon lifestyle, we get to see uncommon results, right? It was, it was very inspiring to hear them and their story. But two Sundays ago, we started this theme or this series, if you will, called Uncommon. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're uncommon. And we're looking at this whole idea, this whole idea of or topic that's very undertaught and sometimes just totally untaught in the church today, and it is the topic of holiness. And it's such an un- misunderstood topic, and there's such extremes in this whole idea of holiness that for a whole generation in the church, it's kind of been just kind of brushed under the rug, right? Kind of just like, let's not even talk about that because it's kind of been mistaught. So therefore, now it's untaught. But how many of you know that holiness is from cover to cover throughout the Bible. And the Word says that without holiness, we can't see God. I don't know about you, but I want to see God. Does anybody want to see God? And not just in eternity, in eternal life in heaven. I want to see Him in my life today. I want to see Him move in our midst. And without holiness, no one can see the Lord. So with holiness, we can see the Lord, right? And so today, we're going to pick up where we left off um, two weeks ago, talking about the topic of of holiness and as we talk more and more as we progress in this more and more the term uncommon is going to take on more and more meaning for us okay so one more time just say uncommon so first let's review and then something new my goodness how we're rhyming with this series but today let's just Go first of all to our theme verses, and um, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we have theme verses, by the end of the series, the, the, the hope is that we will have memorized them. We'll have read them and, 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 and uh, read them out loud so many times that we've memorized them, so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read them all together, and we're going to do something that we never do in Encounter Church. In fact, it's probably the first time we've ever done this in Encounter Church, but to read God's Word together, stand to your feet. oh we got to have some real church in here this morning. <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.9, okay? Whenever we get to the words that are in all caps, just say it a little bit louder, all right? Ready? Ready. One, two, three. For God saved us and called us to live a holy, holy. life. He did this not because we deserved it. But because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Pause. Don't sit down yet. Not just yet. We learned from this verse two weeks ago, and we're going to continue to hear this again and again, that holiness is God's call for every saved person. Not just for some. The call to live a holy life is for everyone who's been saved. So if you've been saved, if you've been born again, if you belong to Jesus, you are called to live a holy life. And we also learn from this verse that holiness, along with salvation, it's not just salvation, but the call to holiness is a part of grace. It says that this was to show us his grace. So holiness is every Christian's call. And it is a part of the grace of God for us. And now 1 Peter 1.16. If we're ready, one, two, three. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. You can take your seats. Thank you. And we learned, we learned two weeks ago that holiness is first of all based on identity, Right? And we learned a lot about our identity as Christians, and the title of that message was "Identity Matters." Right? Identity matters, and I really invite you and encourage you. If you weren't here two weeks ago and you didn't, uh, you weren't here for that first message in the series. It is the foundation for everything we're going to be learning. So go back and listen to it, because identity matters so much. We learned that for for the sake of those that that weren't here or haven't heard it yet, but also so that we can move on to the next topic, we've got to make sure that we've got this one clear, all right? We learned that behavior flows from identity. I behave like I behave because of who I think I am, right? Behavior flows from identity. So therefore, holiness, before it can be applied to our behavior, it must first be understood as it pertains to our identity. I have to identify with holiness and identify myself with holiness before I can ever live a life of holiness. Amen. Yes. Are we all together? Yes. all right so I, I had written you guys um, a poem for that first uh, for that first message, and we read it and um, but I added another line to it and finalized it and Our team printed it out for you on a a nice little poem card there. It's inside of your bulletin. If you haven't seen it yet, just go ahead and grab it. But I want to read you this poem again because it really does say, um, It kind of encapsulates what we talked about two weeks ago. I do not, not because I cannot, I do not because I am not, identity matters. I do not, not just because I can, Uh, Sorry, I do, not just because I can. I do because of who I am. Identity matters. I can live holy, not because I'm strong. I can live holy because I belong. Identity matters. See the result. Are y'all all all right? (laughs) What happened? Oh, we're snapping. Oh, okay. Okay. A holy life is simply the result of me identifying myself as a child of a holy God. See, if I understand who I am, that I belong to him, I'm his child, and he's holy. So if I identify myself with the holy one, then I can live holy, right? And if I don't identify myself with the holy one... It doesn't matter how hard I strive, I'll never be able to live holy. I first have to know who I am to Him and in Him and who He says I am so that I can truly live like He says I can live. Identity really matters. So let's just move on a little bit this morning. Let's talk a little bit about what holiness is not, okay? We sort of mentioned this, but I really want to drive it home real quick. Holiness is not, y'all ready? Holiness is not a list of strict religious rules. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. Although, are you all with me? There are definitely do's and there are definitely don'ts. There are definitely rules. So don't talk about, don't we're not in talking about hyper grace nonsense where we can all just live like whatever we want to live and do whatever we want to do and we're just saved because God loves us. No, no, no. There are definitely do's and there are definitely don'ts. There are definitely rules. But I don't know if you've found out, but just trying to obey all the rules and not break any of them doesn't tend to work out all that well, does it? That's called the law, right? And the Bible teaches us very clearly that God gave us the law for one purpose, and that one purpose is to show us how bad we are. <laughs> it's to show us how desperately we need God and because we can't do it on our own, right? Nobody can obey all the rules. We all break them right so holiness isn't just i obeyed all the rules because if that were the case we'd never we'd never ever be able to be holy holiness also is not and this is very important christians holiness is not having higher moral standards than other people now believe me if you're living holy your standards will be definitely higher right we're uncommon we're different our standards will be different But having the attitude of, well, I live better, I do better, you know, we have an attitude, we have a phrase for that, that's called holier than thou, right? Holiness is not, well, I don't live like that, I live like, holiness is look at how I, is not look at how I live with, with higher standards than everybody else. That's not what it is. But if you live holy, your standards will be higher. But that's not what it is. That's just a result of holiness, okay? Holiness is also, and this is going to help somebody, I hope. Holiness is not, in our case, perfection. Because a lot of times I I feel like, especially if you've been around church for a while, and you hear the word holy and you're like, I'll never be there. You know, I'm like, because we think of holy as perfect, holiness as perfection. And in reality, there's only one who is perfectly holy, and that is? It's God. It's Jesus, right? But I have a question. Ryan, are you a dad? Are you a perfect dad? <laughs> are you becoming a better and better dad? Are you, but are, just because you're not a perfect dad yet, does that mean you're not a dad? No, you're still a dad, right? See, a lot of times Christians think I'm an utter failure because I have not attained perfection yet. So, oh, I'm not holy because I mess up here and there every once in a while. Listen, Ryan's a dad because he became a dad, not because he's a perfect one yet. And listen, if you've been born again in the eyes of God, you've been made holy. You have not yet attained perfect holiness But the more and more you learn to know him and love him, the more and more you will grow in holiness like him. Because to be holy more than anything else means to be like God. Because God is perfectly holy, right? We have another word for this that we kind of throw around a lot and we don't really sometimes understand what we're saying. But another really good word for holy is godly. Holy means to be like him and, in our case, to become more and more and more like the Holy One. You guys all right? So to move on to our next topic today, if you've already opened up your bulletin, you may have gone, whoa. (laughs) If you haven't, open up your bulletin. I think I may have already gone over a few of the the blanks, but the title of today's message is Circumcision, Blood, and Oil. Everybody say CBO. (laughs) Let's just call it CBO. All right. (laughs) And I just want to say from the get-go, this message, this teaching here might take me two weeks, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get as far as I can. I'm going to try to finish. But if at 12.15, I still see, whoa, I got a lot more to go, I'm going to find a pause point, and then we'll come back to it. Is that a deal? Yeah. All right? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try to get through as much as I can today, and what I don't get to when I preach next time, we'll come back and finish it. All right? Come on now, let's, let's all be really mature this morning. Let's just say the word circumcision. circumcision. I only heard one giggle. All right. That's good. We're very very mature. Before we look into this, um, we have to understand something. Much of the Old Testament, which is, is the old covenant, the, the old way God uh, related to people, much of what you read in the Old Testament is symbolic foreshadowing of what was going to become the perfect new covenant, okay? So the old covenant is imperfect, right? The old covenant couldn't get us where God was bringing us. And he did that on purpose. He did it to show us how we would need him to save us, right? So just remember as you read the old, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the Old Testament and I'm like, oh, my Lord. What were you thinking, God? Like, are you serious? And one of those things is the covenant, the pact, of circumcision you read it and you go really lord couldn't you have thought of something else maybe a mark on the forehead or on the head or the big toe i don't know but really what why that lord okay am i the only one who has ever asked yourself that i also asked myself how did they know did they have like a random guy standing at the door checking it's like all right entrance to the tabernacle to, to worship all right you're good you're good You're good. Hey. Nope. Let's go off to the other room before you can come in the temple now. Do we need to do some work in the house of the Lord this morning? All the ladies are laughing. And all the men are going, I'm not sure if this is the church for me. Bear with me. (laughs) See, the the Old Testament is uh, so much... uh, Even though, yes, it was very real and literal, a lot of it also was to show us what the new covenant would be like. It's just it was symbolic of what Jesus would come and accomplish perfectly. Okay? And so as we look into it um, today... There are three Old Testament symbols, and they're not, this is not exhaustive, and this isn't all of them, but three Old Testament symbols, very important, that clearly reveal what in the New Covenant, in in the New Testament, what holiness looks like, okay, or what holiness is, or what brings about holiness. And they are circumcision, blood, and oil, all right? You guys ready to go with circumcision first? Should we just get that one out of the way? Genesis chapter 17. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. It wasn't optional, okay? You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and and you, I love that it, God didn't say between you and me. He said between me and you. I'm the, God is the one who initiated this whole relationship thing, right? He, he, the, 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 the covenant relationship with God didn't start with us. It started with him, right? This covenant is between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised. On the eighth day after his birth, this applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. Everybody, 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 if you want to be in the club, (laughs) in the God assembly, all must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the community for breaking the covenant. So, believe it or not, this shows us what holiness looks like. I see some question marks. It's strange, maybe to us. But extremely powerful. You ready? You sure? Where's my knife? <laughs> it was a permanent alteration that made Israel look different than anybody else. See, when God did this, He didn't mark them in a way that would grow back. If I cut your hand or your finger, there's a lot of ways you can cut yourself and it grows back and it's like never, you've never known anything happen, right? But this was a way that God marked his special people as very uncommon, okay? It was a permanent mark in their body. It was a permanent alteration to their physical being that would never grow back. And it made them different than everybody else. Come on, say uncommon. See, I don't know about you, but something has happened in my life that makes me look different. And I've never gone back to the the person I used to be. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross, when we come to the cross and we repent of our sins and we turn away from the world and we turn our hearts to God, God marks our heart. He alters our heart in a permanent way and it never goes back to what it was. See, circumcision represented the work that the cross would do in our life. Old Testament circumcision represents the work of the cross. In my life and in your life. The cross produces a permanent alteration of our life. And it should never go back to the way it was before. Come on, say repentance. See, what does repentance say? A lot of times repentance is misunderstood. But let me tell you one thing repentance says. Repentance says, I'll never go back there ever again. Oh, some of y'all need to get that today. Because a lot of times we think repentance is just, I feel bad for what I did. Lord, help me. I don't want to be like that. It's not repentance. That's guilt. Okay? Repentance says, no more. I'm going this way now, and I'll never go back that way. It is a change of direction. But listen, repentance is not a momentary change of direction. Oh, let me, t- you know what Jesus said about that? What did he say about that? The world. No, Jesus. What did Jesus say about that? You're not going to see the kingdom that way. <laughs> it's not the way it works. True repentance says that's who I used to be this is who I am now identity matters I will I may mess up I may trip along the way but I will never ever go back there ever again that is the old life and it's dead and it's buried and it's gone and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus my heart has been permanently marked and altered and it'll never go back Uh uh-oh Okay, let me read you another scripture. You know, it's called, we call this being born again, right? And Jesus told Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Like, you can't just go on living this same life and just try to make this same life a better life. That's not the way it works. That's not Christianity. That's called religion, right? Being born again says, I left that life totally behind and I have a totally new life. The new birth. Look, look at Romans uh, 2, 28 and 29. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Come on, somebody. Now, that is not holiness, right? That is, that is not Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. See, physical circumcision was a permanent physical change. Again, and this this is still practiced nowadays, so let's just bring it. Physical circumcision is a permanent physical change that makes, someone look like, that makes someone look different than those that aren't circumcised. All right? Are we all good? It's okay to talk like this, right? Someone who's been circumcised and someone who's not been circumcised, it looks different. Are you all, right? are you all okay? Some of you are looking like, are you really going to say that? Bear with me. Do you look different? Does your life, does my lifestyle look like everybody else? Or have I been marked and altered and cut and modified in such a way by the cross of Jesus Christ that people would look at me and go, He's different. He's not like all of us. He's not like every. She, wow, she talks different. She. Behaves different. She, you, wait. That person is different. Let me tell you. Physically, circumcision is noticeable. It's not like something that, I mean, again, it's private. But, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's not questionable, circumcised or uncircumcised. It's, it's a noticeable change. Okay? Why is it that Christians are living in a world where nobody notices a noticeable change in the way they live from the way they live. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure my heart is circumcised. I want to make sure that my heart has been marked and altered and changed and that it will never, ever go back. I want to make sure that my life is noticeably different than those that aren't Jesus' people. The life of a disciple of Jesus will be noticeably different. All right? So spiritual circumcision is a permanent change of heart that makes you different than others. And listen, if your heart has changed, it will be noticeable. There's no such thing as, yeah, I'm a Christian. Jesus is in my heart, but I know you can't really see it in my life. If you have experienced a change of heart, what's in your heart will come out. In fact, one of the first places it's noticeable is the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth. If you have had a change in your heart, the way you talk is going to change. And I don't have time to go into a lot of the scriptures, but... The way you see things will change. The way the things you feel will change. The way you hear things will change. Your attitudes will change. Your behaviors, your relationships, everything will change. If your heart has changed, your life will change. Are we all in agreement on that? There's no such thing as Jesus changed my heart, but I know you can't really notice it in my life. I'm working hard to obey the rules and failing, right? No, no, no. Heart change produces automatically behavior change. It just does. Why? Holiness is the result of a circumcised heart. Now, let me describe that, okay? Holiness comes from an uncovered, open, broken heart. We're still on circumcision, okay? Uncovered, open, broken. Not broken like sad, but broken like I need God. You can't, I can't live a life of holiness unless my heart is absolutely, totally open, broken, vulnerable, uncovered. I don't have anything covering my heart up before God. I'm just open and needy before Him. See, only then can we begin to even tap into the life of holiness. It's, let, 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 let me describe it a little bit more. Holiness is the result of a heart of stone that changed to a heart of flesh. A heart that was hard that's now soft. A heart that was closed that's now open. That is the doorway into the life of holiness. It starts with the heart. It starts literally with being marked, being cut, being open, being exposed by the cross of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. If you have not been born again. I, I, I didn't say you must come to church. I didn't say you must go to E group. I didn't say you must come to prayer meetings. I didn't say you must obey the rules. I didn't say you must know the praise songs. I didn't say you must listen to the new Kanye album (laughs) glad you're still here all right I didn't say you must know how to use Christianese you must be born again must be there must be a supernatural alteration of yourself on the inside your heart must go from hard to soft closed to open stone to flesh And only, only the cross of Jesus can do that. You with me? Are we good? Who's ready to go to blood and oil? Are we all good with circumcision? (laughs) Let's go to blood and oil. And as I read this, remember Old Testament symbols, New Testament realities, right? As we read this... When you read in the Old Testament about leprosy and cleansing from leprosy, leprosy represents sin, the consequences of sin, okay? And whenever you read this term unclean or ceremonially unclean, it literally means that someone was unacceptable for worship. Like they were unacceptable to come to the... They could not come and bring their offering because they were unclean. They were cut off from God, right? Because of sin, so leprosy, sin, unclean means unacceptable for worship, cut off from God. Are you ready? Leviticus 14, let's read. I'm going to read the, uh, the Amplified today uh, for this one, if that's okay. So if you'd like to follow along on the screen, because we're reading from the Amplified. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper on the day of his ceremonial cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest at a meeting place outside the camp. The priest shall go out to the camp to meet him. And the priest shall examine him, and if the leper has been healed of the infection of leprosy, then the priest shall give orders to take two live, clean birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet string. Ooh, I could pause right there and just preach the gospel to you. There's a bird that has to die, and there's a bird that gets to live. And there's blood, there's scarlet, you know, the color of sin. And there's wood. There's the cross. There's the gospel right there. That wasn't the message, but that was really good. All right. Next, the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed as a sacrifice. Come on, say Jesus. And in an earthenware container over fresh running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood, and the scarlet string, and the hyssop, and he shall dip them in uh, and the live bird in the blood. you got to be cleansed by the blood, y'all, of the, sac- the bird's sacrifice over the running water. He shall sprinkle the blood seven times on the one to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him ceremonially clean. Come on, say, say Accepted. Then he shall let the live bird go free over the open field. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I get to be the live bird. I'm glad Jesus is the dead bird and I get to be the live bird. Then the one be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe in water, and he shall be clean. After that, he may come into the camp, but he shall stay outside of his tent for seven days." On the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair. He shall Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad we're not in the days of the law? He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all the hair on his body. And he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Now on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish. You guys with me still? Two male lambs without blemish and a year- yearling ewe lamb without blemish. And three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with olive Oil. Everybody say oil. Oil. As a grain offering. And one log, about a pint, of oil. oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall present the man to be cleansed in his offerings before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it as a guilt offering. And with the log of Oil. oil... and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. He shall kill the male lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the sacred place, the courtyard of the, temp- of the tabernacle. Pause. Everybody look. You guys awake? I know it's Old Testament and it gets long. All right? Ready? Let's keep going. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest's most holy The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed and the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil, come on, say blood and oil, and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left palm and with the finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. Of the rest of the oil, which is in his palm, the priest shall put some on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed. Come on, so they had to put blood and oil on the person being cleansed, right? On on the thumb of his right hand, the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. Come on, say blood and oil. The remaining oil in the priest's palm should be put on the head of the one to be cleansed. The priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Next, the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one being cleansed and cleansed. And afterward, kill the burnt offering. The priest shall offer the burnt offering, the grain offering on the altar. And the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. One more time, say blood and oil. Blood. All right. Blood and oil were necessary as part of the ceremony, as part of the process in the Old Covenant, to make a leper clean, okay? To get rid of the uncleanness, the ceremonial uncleanliness, and make a person not only clean, but now acceptable for worship. It took both blood and oil. Come on, say blood and oil. It's about to hit somebody in here. It's the blood and it's also the oil. We need them both. We need a circumcised heart. We need a permanent alteration of our heart. We need our heart to be marked and changed by the cross of Jesus. But we also need the blood of Jesus to wash us clean from all that made us unacceptable and unclean before Almighty God. Oh, The blood, this is in your bulletin, the blood, New Testament now the death and the sacrifice or the blood of Jesus suffered the penalty and the consequences of sin and erased the guilt, the uncleanliness. We're no longer cut off from God. There's no sin so powerful that the blood of Jesus can't deliver you from. And some of you need to know that because you feel like this sin is just so powerful. I don't know if I could ever be free. There's no sin so powerful that the blood of Jesus can't deliver you from, set you free. But there's also no sin so unclean, so dirty, So shameful that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse you from. See, the blood of Jesus was shed to both deliver us and set us free from the power of sin, but also to wash us clean from the shame and the guilt of sin. It doesn't matter how powerful sin has been in your life, and it doesn't matter how dirty and unclean it's made you. The blood of Jesus can set you free, and the blood of Jesus can wash you Though it be red as scarlet, Isaiah says, he, he will wash us as white as snow. snow. If you're not sure, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 18. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 18. The message of the cross, which what is the message of the cross? The blood of Jesus, right? The message of the cross is the blood of Jesus. That's where his blood Okay, so the message of the cross or the message of the blood of Jesus is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we are being saved. No, it's the very power of God. Let's jump to verse 30. God has united you. Point somebody and say you. You. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. God made us right with God. He, who? Who's he? Jesus. Jesus made us pure And holy. And he freed us from sin. The message of the cross is the blood of Jesus. And we're made clean by his blood, okay? We're made righteous by his righteousness. We're made pure by his purity, And we're made holy by his holiness. See, a life of holiness isn't even my holiness. It's not even your holiness. It's him making me holy like he is. Jesus is the one who makes us holy. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus it's the uncommon blood of, the, of God incarnate that sets us apart as his special uncommon people. Never doubt the power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus not only makes us free, the blood of Jesus makes us acceptable. Acceptable. The blood of Jesus takes us from being common, away from God, like everybody else, subject to everything all creation is subject to, subject to the wrath of God even. The blood of Jesus pulls us out, sets us apart, and now we're different. Now we're, we were out of relationship with God. Now we're in relationship with God. Come on, say uncommon. It also takes the oil. And I'm not going to be able to finish it all today, so I'm going to get through as much as I can right here and find a pausing point, and we'll come back to this next time I preach. Is that all right? Yes. Told you we'd make a deal. All right circumcision, blood, but I want us to go a little bit into the oil and then we'll come back to the oil a little later. Are you good? I'm just going to say it like this. The anointing of the Holy Spirit makes us holy and acceptable. The anointing of the Holy Spirit sets us apart for true worship because Jesus said, Worship will no longer be, rather, you do it here or there or what you say. No, no. True worship is in spirit and truth. I need God's spirit if I'm going to be able to truly worship in spirit. Bear with me a few more minutes, all right? Let's try not to get distracted here because I'm going to read you one more passage from the Old Testament. You're all right? If we look back at Leviticus 14, we're not going to, but they didn't have to just be smeared or whatever with the blood. They also had to be smeared with with the oil in order to be considered totally clean and acceptable to go back into worship or into relationship with God. Look at Exodus 40. The Lord, then said, uh, the Lord then the Lord said to Moses, "Set up the tabernacle on the first day of the New year, place the Ark of the Covenant inside and install the inner curtain to enclose the ark within the most holy place. Then bring in the table and arrange the utensils on it, and bring in the lampstand and set up the lamps. Place the gold incense altar in front of the Ark of the Covenant, then hang the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle, place the altar of burnt offering." In front of the tabernacle entrance, set the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Then set up the courtyard around the outside. You guys with me? All right. Outside of the tent. And hang the curtain for the courtyard entrance. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them Holy. Hmm. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils to consecrate them. Anoint means to smear oil, right? Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle. Wash them with water. Dress Aaron with the sacred garments and anoint him, which means smear him with oil, Consecrating him to serve me as a priest, then present his sons and dress them in their tunics, anoint them as you did their father, so they may also serve as priests. With their anointing, come on, say anointing. Anointing. Aaron's descendants are set apart for the priesthood forever from generation to generation. It's the anointing also that makes us holy. What do I mean? The anointing made ordinary, common, natural. Okay, in this case, there were animal skins, gold, silver, bronze, planks, cloth, and people. All right? Ordinary things that... I'm having a hard time getting out what I... I see on the inside, but listen, they weren't uncommon. They were common. Are you with me? They weren't just uncommon because they were uncommon. They were common, but when they got smeared with the oil, they became uncommon. The anointing, in other words, the Holy Spirit in our life, takes us uncommon. And, uh, and it takes us common, commoners, unholy people and makes us holy. It's supernatural. It, it's not do this and this and this and this and you attain holiness. No. He said cleanse them with the blood and then smear them with the oil and they become holy. Maybe, maybe the, just this this simple phrase will make sense. It makes not holy things become holy. What does the oil? What's the oil? The Holy Spirit. He's the oil. The anointing, we call it, right? Makes unholy become holy. That makes me really happy. Because I don't know about you, but I wasn't holy and now I am. And it wasn't because all of a sudden I decided to become holy and I could. It's because the Holy Spirit touched me and He anointed me and He filled me up. And now I can live different. And it's not because I can, but because I've got the oil. I've been cleansed by the blood. My heart has been permanently altered by the cross, circumcision. I've been cleansed and washed and made acceptable by the blood of Jesus. But not only that, I got touched. I got filled. I got the oil. The Holy Spirit came in me and upon me. And all of a sudden, who I was, now I'm different. I was unholy. And now I can be holy. I was common, and now I'm uncommon. See, holiness is not so much an issue of having an iron will. It's more of an issue of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will produce an iron will. He gives us self Control. We're gonna talk about that. That's what I'm gonna have to not talk about because if I do, we're gonna be here till two. All right. But the Holy Spirit. It's not so much me. I can be holy. I can be holy. I can. I can. I can. I. I I will. I will. I will. I have an iron will. I will. I will not. And then you know, if you that might last a day or two, and then I will not. And I do. Three days down. I will. I will. I will. I will. I couldn't. But it's. That's not the life of holiness. The life of holiness is the holy one lives in me. I've got the oil, the Holy Spirit, and he's holy. And because he's holy and he's in me, if I stay in touch with him, I can be holy. Oh, let me give you a final couple of just scriptures real quick to make you happy. Romans 15, 16 says, I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present to you an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us holy because he's holy. It's his first name. Holy Spirit, right? First Peter 1, 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. Holy. 1 John 2.20, but you. this is the Amplified. But you have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You've been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Holiness is the Holy God making me like him. Holiness is God himself. Holy Spirit is God, right? He's not part of God. He's God. He's a spirit. Holiness is God himself making me like himself. Holiness is God himself in me. The oil, the Holy Spirit, the anointing that we just read. It's him, his holy self in me making me holy like him. The light bulb went off in about half of the, uh, of the room, all right? But I must be what he's making me. See, cross, changed heart, blood of Jesus, cleansed, acceptable, Holy Spirit. I have access to all the holiness of God by the Holy Spirit. But I must be who he's making me to be. That's why his word says on multiple occasions, be holy because I am holy. He is holy, but we have to be who he's making us to be. I'm about to run up the wall if we don't get... (laughs) You know, I'm just going to have to stop there because it's time. We will come back to this oil Holy Spirit thing the next time I have the privilege of teaching you. But I'll just say this. One thing is the worship, you can go ahead and do your thing. Holiness is just the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is just, see, it's just the result of that, that verse we read in, in, in 1 John We've all received an anointing. We've all been smeared with the oil, right? We've all been smeared with the oil. We all have been given the Holy Spirit. If you've been born again, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And then it says that anointing teaches us. That anointing shows us the truth. It guards us from error, right? It's today some of you really need to grab a hold of this. Holiness. Living this life of Holiness. Is not accomplishable by your striving, but it is the result of you living filled and filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit today, today I'm gonna live holy. And some of you have felt like such failures. I just, I know I'm supposed to live holy, but I just can't. If you just take a look, I bet you have been living filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not about trying. It's about being filled. Stand up.